Listener Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of Heart Science Explained, a weekly podcast brought to you by Listener and Cosmos. Today, you've got me, Jacinta Bowler, and we are diving headfirst into a big pile of salty and sugary treats. Actually, let's do that after we dive into the science of why salt and sugar make food taste so good. So, sugar and salt, with their little white crystals, do kind of look the same. But as anyone who has ever mixed them up in a recipe can tell you, they sure do have different tastes. I'm looking at you, Great Aunt Nell's Raspberry White Chocolate Cake. Sweet and salty are both part of our five basic tastes, but that doesn't explain why we like them so much. In fact, other tastes like bitter and sour are definitely acquired tastes. Just think about the shock and horror on a baby's face after being given a lemon slice for the first time. In this episode, we're going deep into the pantry of knowledge to explore salt and sugar. I'll start with some bad news. When it comes to salt, or sodium chloride if you're a periodic table lover, we don't really know exactly how it stimulates taste buds. We know that when we put salt on our tongue, our tongue's nerve cells are excited, and that this response time is incredibly fast, just 50 milliseconds, a quarter of the time it takes for an eye to blink. Salt is made up of both sodium and chloride, which are molecules that humans do need to survive. But we need lots of things in broccoli too. Vitamin C, vitamin K, iron and potassium, for example. And yet, cravings for raw broccoli are pretty rare. Salt is particularly special because not only does it make things salty, but it can also enhance the flavour of other flavours. This works for savoury foods as well as sweet ones. Understanding how this works is still a mystery. What we do know about salt is that it's able to touch our brain's reward system, and a team of Australian scientists looked at how this worked in 2016. Scientists already knew that salt cravings are regulated by the opioid system in the brain. This is the section of the brain where we process rewards, pain, and addiction. For example, if we eat when we're hungry, our brain rewards us with natural opioids, like endorphins, for doing a good job. External opioids can work the same way. Drugs like heroin work on these pathways, and this is why the drug can be extremely addictive and drive cravings. But these researchers looked specifically at salt. They stopped giving the mice salt and then administered different opioid blockers before giving the rodents access to both salty and non-salty water. While most of the salt-starved mice drank the salty water, the animals given a blocker called naloxonazine barely touched it. This suggests that the receptor that naloxonazine binds to are responsible for the salt reward circuit. And salt could work the same way as an opioid, giving us that rush when we get it. Unfortunately, as delicious as it is, too much salt isn't good for us. When we eat salt, the amount of sodium in our blood goes up. Our body then draws more fluid into the blood to get the sodium concentration to the right level. But the more fluid in the blood, the higher the pressure against the blood vessel walls. This is what causes high blood pressure, which can lead to heart attacks, strokes, or heart failure. And nearly everyone in the world is eating too much salt. But what kind of life would we all live with only bland, saltless food? Luckily, there could be a solution. Salt substitute. Instead of just sodium chloride, a salt substitute includes more potassium chloride, which means there's less sodium to damage your heart. 
Researchers in 2021 looked at 21,000 adults in China with a history of stroke or blood pressure issues. Half of the group got salt and the other half got salt substitute. In the group that had the substitute, the stroke incidence dropped by 14%, heart attacks and other cardiovascular events by 13 and premature deaths by 12%, which is kind of astonishing. The team suggests that if salt was switched for salt substitute worldwide, these results would add up to millions of early deaths prevented each year. Best of all, it's actually not that much more expensive than salt. And if you wanted to try it out, most grocery stores already stock it. Sodium chloride isn't the only delicious sodium in town, though. There's also sodium glutamate, better known as MSG. This is naturally found in tomato and cheese, which might explain why lasagna is one of my and Garfield's favorite foods. But a Japanese biochemist first manufactured the stuff back in 1908 in a pure form while trying to replicate the taste of a seaweed called kombu. He succeeded, creating what he called the essence of taste, crystals of glutamic acid. This pure umami flavor can be added to broths, chips, or anything else to give it a richer, savorier taste. But is MSG actually bad for you? Known as Chinese restaurant syndrome, some people think that MSG can cause headaches and bloating. Double-blind studies have been done on this topic and most have shown very little correlation between MSG and symptoms like headaches. But if you've been avoiding Asian cooking because you're not into MSG, you should probably also avoid chips, fried chicken, and most processed savory foods. I know you're ready for some sweetness, but before we jump into sugar, let's go on a bit of a saucy tangent. Soy sauce is a delicious combination of salt, water, enzymes, and fermented soybeans, and has been around for 2,500 years. But earlier this year, researchers were surprised to find that soy sauce has over 50 flavor compounds to give it such a distinct taste. Decoding flavors of fermented foods are particularly challenging because of the complex creation process, including the microbial breakdown of compounds over time. In their first go, scientists found 34 key tastants, which are chemicals that activate taste receptor cells and create a taste in the mouth. But when they recreated a soy sauce using just those 34 tastants, the assessors found that it didn't recreate the seemingly simple soy flavor. They then redid the analysis, finding 14 extra peptides in tiny concentrations. And when the team recreated this version, the assessors found that the new condiment had a similar complexity, taste, intensities, and mouthfulness to the real deal. Okay, finally, let's talk sweet. Why can't we stop ourselves finishing that giant cupcake or wanting just a little bit more icing? It seems that our need for sweets could be evolutionarily hardwired. In early human history, getting enough calories could be the difference between life and death, and it often was. Those that could forage more calories were better able to raise young, find shelter, and get more food. Having a gene that can detect and enjoy sugar helps us ingest more calories simply by eating the sweet thing. Simple. But genes for sweet perception aren't just in humans. Most vertebrates have a sugar-detecting receptor protein called TAS1R2. The fact that so many species have this protein means that the ability to taste sweetness is evolutionarily really worth having. Of course, in the 21st century, we don't need to be foraging for tiny amounts of sugar. We have plenty of it. But trying to cut out sugar entirely is a tough job. There's thousands of years of evolution getting in the way. Like salt, there's some evidence that sugar could be addictive. 
When lab rats are given only sporadic access to sugar, drinking the sugar water gives a dopamine hit to the brain. There are replacements for sugar too, called artificial sweeteners. Although these are probably fine for most people, there have been some recent research showing that they could mess with your microbiome. And there's at best mixed results that it leads to weight loss. And although it might seem otherwise, it's not just the sugar, or salt for that matter, that makes things taste good. If we look at ice cream as an example, it's the mixture of fats, sugar, water, and churned air that gives ice cream such a good flavor, texture, and sorry for saying this, mouthfeel. Plain sugar and water doesn't quite hit the same spot. So next time you're craving a sweet treat or salty snack, know that your body is just trying to do its best for you. If only we could make Brussels sprouts taste like chips or cakes, maybe we'd stand a chance. Actually, if scientists could get on that, that would be awesome. We hope that today's episode doesn't make you too salty, and it helps explain why it's just so hard to quit the sweet stuff, plus a couple of extra saucy facts thrown in. For the latest science news, don't forget to check out the science briefing and head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back next time for another Huh? Science Explained. <laughs>